Landscape or portrait? Ah, uh, depends. <laughs> Unity, negative. Uh, You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and, of course, playing mobile games. Today on the show, we have Mishka Katkov, one of the guys behind the amazing gaming blog, Deconstructor Fun, and also Director of Product Management at Rovio. And we're going to be talking about the rise of hypercasual and some other cool 2018 trends. So, Mishka, thanks very much for being here. Thanks for having me. So before we kind of dive into um, deconstructing the year ahead, I'd like to start off with kind of just talking about you. Um, you're currently Director of Product Management at Rovio. Before that, you were at Zynga um, and then Supercell. And in fact, at Rovio once before, if I'm, yeah. if I'm correct. That's, that's quite a, a gaming pedigree. Um, how, how did you get into the gaming space? Were you, were you kind of always a big gamer? Was this the dream? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's actually probably true for, for most of the people. Yes, I was always a gamer. And yes, it was always a dream, uh, but but it kind of like the dream got away. I, I, I ended up in business school at some point and um, and it was hey, it was kind of a grind. I, did, I really didn't like <laughs> like uh-huh. all the opportunities in the business school and all the consulting work and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there was this opportunity to to become a product manager on um, in, in a company called Digital Chocolate. It had a, had a studio here in Helsinki and. Um, yeah, and I applied for the job, and and I got the job, and and during the application process, we were supposed to go through, through a lot of research, a lot of research about Facebook games because that's what the company was doing back then. Right. And um, and and I was doing this research, and I, I I totally understood that man, it's 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 a huge market. Nobody's talking about it, but it was like 2009, 2010 when mm-hmm. when were out, and 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 people really weren't talking about games in as social games. Everything was still very much AAA, and and I, yeah. I I felt super excited, and um you know got the job, and and I worked first on Facebook games, then um then started working on mobile games, and I'm still working on mobile games. I've, I've worked in Helsinki and in San Francisco. So which do you prefer? Uh, I, <laughs> both are good in in their own sense. So I I I was happy enough. I was lucky enough to experience both at the perfect life stages. So mm-hmm. San Francisco, absolutely. In the U.S., I would recommend it to anybody who doesn't have kids, mm-hmm. and I would recommend Helsinki to anybody who has kids. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I could see that. Um, and and how kind of how does the experience working at each of these different kind of gaming giants differ? Um, it does and it doesn't. Uh, so in in one sense, like how would I put it? Uh, I've I've seen so many studios. It's mm-hmm. it's um like like one of the interesting part about gaming is that there's no look like teams. And what I mean by that is like every game team is different by some way. Naturally, it has different people, and usually it's built around the strengths and weaknesses of those people. So so it is it is very different. Uh, when it comes to larger organizations, you get processes and you get a lot of stakeholders, you get a lot of meetings, you get a lot of uh, politics to some extent as well. Uh, so so that's that's what happens when people get together and they're trying to get things done. But you also get bigger budgets and you get IPs. And then like there's some something, you know, something that slows you down. But there's also those boosters when it comes to time to to launching launching a game. And naturally, you get all the services like like the tools team, the the. Um, the analytics, the marketing, the PR, the the the, the whatnot. So mm-hmm. working in larger companies is more about um, 
just networking really well inside the companies and, and mm -hmm. communicating, collaborating. Communica collaborating, communicating, making sure that, that everybody's on, on the ball and, and everything is moving at the, at the right speed and everybody's aboard. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's a totally different, uh, totally different mindset and tool set than working in a smaller company where, um, so, uh, I was, I was also running a studio for, for fun plus for a couple of years and, uh, and that's a, that's a whole different thing. So you have a really small studio and then you're trying to make a game and, and your old focus is on making that game and your processor just perfected for, for quick, agile development and then making quick decisions and moving forward as fast as possible and then keeping that team tight you know it's it's a to, it's a totally different work there's not a lot of people so there's not a lot of politics going on and, right. and you don't have to really communicate that much you basically get things done so very very different jobs um and very very different areas so i would recommend anybody to experiment both like mm -hmm. the startup -y, um small where, as well as big companies where does your heart lie if you had to pick, uh, see, I, I don't have that type of thing. Like I, I like both mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person, like I may be the type of person who gets bored quickly. <laughs> like if there's not no challenges. So, um, uh, I, I honestly like both. I, I, I like the, the big companies in the sense that just having all of these tools available, like, like market research and, and then, as I said, analytics, like all, all of that available and all of that support available makes it easier. And then on the other hand, in the small company where you can just focus on making stuff and then your eight hours a day is hyper productive. There's no wasted time. You're just doing your thing and then you get so much done and the progress so much quicker. But kind of moving that to a, to a large scale is very different and then almost impossible. Like there's only a few companies that are able to do that. So, sure. so. Um, I don't have a preferred one. You like the change. I like the change. I honestly do. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Uh, director of product management at Rovio isn't the only hat you wear, of course. Yeah. Um, you're also the, the founder and one of the main writers behind the Deconstructor of Fun blog, um, yeah. which is which is awesome. Um, highly recommend it to everyone listening. What uh, what led you to create the blog in the first place? Um, so um, I, I was doing a lot of notes on games. Like you, as a, as a product manager, you have to deconstruct other games. You have to deconstruct their feature sets in order to use them for your own game. That's what we do. <laughs> so, um, so you know, I've always been been doing that and always been benchmarking. That's something you learn from business schools. And um, and at, at some point, I don't remember. I it was it was at Rovio uh, when I was working here the last time, which was like in 2012, and. Um, it was a discussion, I think, about CSR racing, and um, and I don't know. I, I just wrote about it, like why I think it's making so much money back then, mm -hmm. and um, and that that post went viral. So I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Maybe and this uh, is something I could do. Yeah, it's not even that. Like I've I've honestly not been looking that much at the stats. Like I only look at the stats when when somebody asks for them. But in the end, it, the blog has always been for me to to learn, and by making it public you actually write much better. You might write better notes because before that, when I was writing these notes, they were kind of disappearing in some Dropbox folder. They weren't really good. And then we went back to them. Like, I don't remember what I was trying to do here. I don't remember this thing. I don't remember that thing. But then once I started making them public, the notes were, were really good. And I still go back to my notes every time mm -hmm. I, I go back to them. I look at them like, oh, I remember this game. I go back there and I can actually share it to somebody. I don't, I don't need to write a new spec or I can right. modify a little bit or so forth. So 
So it has been highly useful in that sense, but it also has been useful in kind of, a, I'm the type of person who, who thinks by writing. I'm sure there's a lot of people like that, but, yes, but I, that's uh, I, I call myself the same. Yeah. So I, I walk everywhere with a pen and paper. I'm, I'm that kind of like, I don't draw, I just write. Yeah. I'm, I'm just learning all the time. I'm, I'm writing and learning at the same time, writing, writing, writing and learning. So I've been doing more editing right now since there are more people on who joined the blog mm-hmm. and, um, and since I have a baby, so uh, I don't have that much time <laughs> to write, but even the editing has helped me a lot because I can, I, I read through it and, and um and and read through with the, with the, with with ability to to you know to add something something more and, and just sure. think about what they've been trying to say sure do you think it was your business um school background that kind of created the structures of thought or the kind of the the way of looking at things in a deconstructive way um or is that something that's mm-hmm. kind of endemic to the game industry in general um i think both but but i would say uh, business school is particularly notorious for benchmarking everything. You know, you're trying to you're trying to understand why certain businesses work, and um, and that kind of led led pretty well to to this this job, uh, being a product person, and um, and and yeah, and this business as 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 any is is very uh, very much benchmark driven. Mm-hmm. So even though we talk about being creative, and we are highly creative, all the game makers, but but something has to inspire that creativity not with all of the games naturally there's the indie games there's the uh the the artsy games but with most of 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 you know top grossing games they're inspired by something and and usually that inspiration comes through deconstructions and Mm. and deconstruction makes you understand better what why something is working what something isn't so right uh cool so let's do some deconstructing um Mm -hmm. we're still roughly early on in 2018 i think it's still permissible to talk about trends for the coming year um and this and this is something you've covered you've covered in the blog um but Mm -hmm. kind of let's let's just start maybe from a a more general perspective um what and and this is big right Um, Mm -hmm. but what type of games do you think will will perform best in 2018 and and Mm -hmm. i know that you've kind of you you split up your predictions yeah across Segments, but kind of looking at the whole industry, um, where do you think we're going to see the most kind of growth and and movement? Okay, most growth or most revenue? <clears throat> Both. <laughs> okay, uh, so most revenue, I would still say it's the mid-core games. And mm-hmm. then what do I mean by mid-core is, is I mean a game that is predominantly made for male audience. Usually yeah. we're talking about between yeah. 60 to 75% of male um so so those those type of games like rpgs and synchronous battlers and and what's the newest one it's it's the uh it's those battle arena games i think those mm-hmm. are, are are continuing to be the the most the most profitable games and actually the mobas or the the moba from from china uh, mm-hmm. arena valor stark of kings whatever you want to call it um they are they are the sources of, of the biggest revenue um, when it comes to growth and and what is where where the biggest growth is coming, I think it's the puzzle games. Um, I was just looking at at some some app any charts and you know puzzle category used to be the biggest one back in like 2012 2013 and then it was overtaken by build and battle. Mm-hmm. But since Clash Royale launched, the build and battle has been going down and and all the battle games and and during this time puzzle category has been soaring it's it's you know candy crush is making more and more money every year still mm-hmm. uh, even their downloads I, are going down downloads are going down dau is 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 also declining and and um you know there's king is not launching that many that many new 
good game. I mean, they're good games, but they're not uh, financially as successful as their predecessors. Um, still, the category is going up, and and you can see uh, innovation coming into the category. Like peak games is is moving in with with some mid core mechanics, or what do we call like more social, more uh, you know more social mechanics. Legendary is a good example of a game that that you know at heart is a puzzle game, mm-hmm. but but with with uh, with much more. Um, Th- that's actually more mid-core mechanics, and and nat- naturally the um, uh, Playrix with with Fishdom that has been growing for ha- I don't know how many years, and Gardenscape and and Homescapes kind of um, dropped, but still it's um, the the biggest growth and then the biggest and the most competitive sector at this moment is, is puzzle games. So right. I, I would I would say that's that's where the biggest one. I mean, there's a chance that AR games with the Harry Potter would mm-hmm. uh, create another pop, but if, if we're being logical, if I would have to bet, I would say the categories where the growth is, is casino and puzzle. Right. Um, and, and we've kind of talked a little bit about the blurring between the different, um, I guess we'll call them segments. And, and mm-hmm. you divide your, your predictions across kind of casual, mid, and, and then, of course, there's hardcore games. How mm-hmm. much player crossover do you think there is across these different um, segments? I think there's plenty. I, I think there's there's plenty. We 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 you know we we categorize more genres than 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 sort of players because uh, when looking when looking at player profiles, which you know for example we do here a lot at Rovio, there's so many different um, gamer profiles, and and even though you might be playing League of Legends at home, you might still you know enjoy your games of of Clash Royale here and the there best. or. Yeah, yeah, on the bus or or even you know pop some candies and then Candy Crush. So I don't believe in that sense. Like if 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 you're a hardcore gamer, you won't play any other games. That's not true. You're these are just different games for different occasions. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and and looking at casual games, um, we talked about downloads for puzzle games going down, but revenues are actually climbing. Mm-hmm. What do you think these companies are doing? To cause this increase in revenues, how what have they kind of shifted? Is it ad monetization? Is it IAPs? Mm-hmm. What have they done to kind of um, increase revenues over the past year? Yeah, well, well, for sure, there's there's there is ad monetization coming in, and and it has been a quite useful source of of revenue for for all the games. So, but I don't think that's the biggest driver. I mean, there are some idle games that are that are doing that, but that's that's not the biggest driver of revenues. I think the biggest driver is just optimization. And with puzzle games, the optimization is on a on totally new level. Um, you know, one of the, the reasons is that they're not they're not competitive games per se. They're not PvP games. So there's so much room to do all kind of A-B tests. You can perfect mm-hmm. levels for different cohorts. You can do so many tests to see how, how conversion and retention and, and um, ARPPU and, and ARPDAO, like how can they perform with, with minor changes and with years of development, you know how to, how to perfect that game and add even a trend word of machine learning to there and, and you have mix. Well, then talking about kind of strategies for increasing revenue, um, mm-hmm. let's say you optimization isn't necessarily mm-hmm. possible at that level um, or at that <laughs> level of perfection. Um, and then kind of looking at IP, do you think IP is too big of a risk um, when it comes to casual games? Well, my personal opinion is, if you don't own the IP, uh, then then don't use it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's a different situation, but but I would be I'd be careful. I I personally have experience of launching two IP games um, uh, with with uh, with an IP holder who wasn't um, who I didn't work for, and they're difficult projects. Like people don't understand, but you know, 
it's not only that they will take a cut of your net revenue, which will affect your CPIs and you have mm-hmm. to discuss the, the marketings and everything like that's in the live operations. But even before that, just getting everything approved, the timelines they come in with, with, with that work, um, you know, what in the end is the, is the IP valuable enough? Well, you know, if it's Kim Kardashian, sure it is, um, but it's, it just carries a lot of risk. Right. Uh, just, Kim Kardashian might be a nightmare. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, the results have been good. So, but again, her sisters didn't do that well. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, um, that's another one. So, so I would, I would say, um, just be careful. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> just be careful. Be, be careful. Caution yeah. ahead. Yes. It's, it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, okay. And, and then what do you, we've talked about kind of perfecting optimization, but what do you think has kind of been the biggest innovation um, in the casual game space or, or is it optimization? Mm-hmm. Is it that kind of casual? No, no. Optimization has been going on for a long time. And, and, you know, we've heard rumors that King's teams, like even one game team can have up to 40 data scientists on it. So wow. I don't know if that's true, but those are the type of rumors that they're highly data driven. Um, but but the other other part like how are the comp- how other companies are able to compete with King that's the real question because King essentially owned the market. Mm-hmm. Well, the competition has come really through addition of 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 new mechanics into into the casual into the puzzle game. So instead of like always going with a, the same old puzzle map, they they they've tried new different things. They've added uh, sort of elements from from simple simulation games where. You're earning something through the puzzles, and now you're investing that that what you earn in something that you're building, like the aquariums or the gardens or the homes, mm-hmm. um, as well as as well as more casual sort of like um, um, small competitive features like like leagues and and competitive mm-hmm. features like guilds, so or collaborative features like guilds. And when we have seen all of those additions come into to a simple puzzle games, and and the effects have been very very good um let's jump just for a a short minute to talk about Mm -hmm. messenger games which is kind of this um emerging emerging thing that's happening inside Mm -hmm. the space um they've become increasingly popular and and also messaging apps in general are kind of taking a much bigger share of time spent in app um so i i'm kind of curious to see whether why you think we're seeing messenger games take off is it kind of a sustainable new channel um, for, for game experiences? And, and what can we kind of expect to see in the upcoming year? Yeah, I mean, they for sure have been growing and, and you know, Facebook is, is definitely pushing them forward. Uh, WeChat began their own HTML5 in some platform and, mm-hmm. and we, we've, seen, we've seen that working. Um, there hasn't been really a breakthrough hit in the instant games that that would that would be sort of like a like a like a benchmark for others to follow mm-hmm. uh the retention of those games has been very very low i mean they're they are getting the downloads or they are getting the players to to play those games but but then the retention has been surprisingly low given the fact that they are on, a, on an extremely social right. platform um do i believe that there might be something there um yeah, I do. I do. They're attached to such a growth channel that it's harder to fail than to succeed. Let's put it this way, <laughs> uh, especially with a push of, of a platform like Facebook. Like Facebook. And, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so I, I think I think somebody will will crack the code, and, and you know everybody else will follow. So, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see Watch what happens. Space. 
Speaking of kind of failure or success in the uh, Instant Games um, mm-hmm. arena, do you think WeChat's in with a chance to, to challenge Facebook? I mean, traditionally, they've found it tough to penetrate the West. Um, on the other mm-hmm. hand, their kind of gaming background and expertise is, is I think, probably a little deeper than, than Facebook's. Um, do you think that there, we're going to see a clash of titans here? Or has Facebook kind of really grabbed, uh, grabbed the lead? I, I don't know. I, like when I'm when I'm looking to open a Facebook, it, it is kind of copying Tencent in many mm-hmm. in many sense. So so uh, I think they are clashing already. But I think Facebook is trying to enter Chinese market, and then mm-hmm. WeChat is trying to take a piece of of West market with a purchase of uh, a slice of Snapchat as well. So so um, I think you know they they are copying from each other. They're both so big that that it's inevitable. That, um, yeah, they're it's inevitable. I mean, I mean, they're they're just it's it's a it's a they are already competing. So. Yeah, yeah, on many on multiple fronts. Yeah, exactly. And Tencent is the kind of company that they would just, you know, they would just buy something. Yeah. So. I think they I think they both might be to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I I I want to jump to talking about hyper casual games because this has kind of been one of those uh, mm-hmm. one of those buzzwords, one of those big trends that kind of also really exploded um, over the last year, couple of years. Yeah. Um, so why why do you think they've driven so much growth in the mobile game space? I mean, you've likened it um, to kind of the rise of app stores in terms of yeah. the impact it's had. Um, yeah, why yeah. do you think that is? Well, I think it's the it's the overall shift of the market. We talked about puzzle games, and you can and you know one of the things that puzzle games are growing is by adding more of these mid core features, more of these deeper features into the into those into those games and making them more um, more engaging. And at the same time, they're, they are kind of becoming more complicated. So hyper-casual games are just jumping into that segment that the, the, uh, the previous super-casual games, the puzzle games, are opening up. So they are, they are doing those games that, you know, no tutorial, just open up the game, tap on the screen once, and then you're getting stuff in. And then Voodoo is a great example with, with 110 million installs in 2017. Mm-hmm. Game's also not bad with, with 19 million installs. And, and you know the in-app revenues of, of those games are pretty low, but at the same time, the scale is great. yeah the scale is great, and they're doing a lot of with game with with video ads, and and they are doing a ton with 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 the cross promotion. So so they're they're able to operate that volume business, and they're they're just they're just games that are super easy to download, super easy to start playing, and and um, they're fun. So so that's 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 <laughs> not unimportant. That's, yeah, it's it, you know it's almost like our prototypes, but they don't just don't have to think a lot about core loops or social features or stuff like that. It's just like, hey, here's the game. Watch some ads. Pay if you don't want to see the ads, mm-hmm. and if you are still playing, we're gonna force you to see some ads until you pay or leave. So, so you know, it's it's a pretty <laughs> simple monetization model. Uh, that's kind of crudely explaining it but that's mm-hmm. that's how they work and it's volume and and if you are you know publisher like voodoo you're basically getting a volume of these different games proposed to you and just pick the uh the best one based on metrics and and keep running that so mm-hmm. so it's a very iterative kind of it's a prototyping process in a way yeah it's it's like a high volume high big scale prototyping process so mm-hmm. it's, it's fascinating it's it's definitely do, do you think the growth um is sustainable do you think that kind of hyper casual games are going to max out audience wise or or is the sustainability of the space kind of down to innovation around game mechanics and slightly more sophistication maybe yeah i, I think i think we are about to see the peak of those um mm-hmm. because 
there's only so many iterations you can make of these you know super simple games uh and then once you start seeing that peak you start seeing some more um some more engagement elements some core loops some some uh, leadership mechanics some some uh social mechanics added to those games suddenly they're not as hyper casual as they were mm. so um I, I think i think that's inevitable and uh, it's a trend that will stick around they might take the uh the position of of those you know super casual puzzle games but um but i i you know gram is a good example they they've they've added some some more depth to their games already and um you know they're experiencing some success with it so so um yeah that's i think that's that's the kind of way to go mm -hmm. do you think that um the rise of hyper casual is also driving the rise of ad monetization or is it the other way around as ad monetization gets more sophisticated and effective specifically around things like video advertising hyper casual mm -hmm. games then become a more viable option uh yeah uh, i think they, they both go hand in hand so you know there's a there's a developer here in helsinki future play games has been pretty pretty great with with that monetization model and because they're starting from the point like any other games they're starting actually with a point like many hyper casual games with how are we going to maximize our revenue from video ads so it, it is already starting at the point where, where video ads are an important part of the game not something you stick on top of it Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, you can pay us some money, or you can watch this video for fifty thousand times. Um, while, while it's while it's a part of it, it it you know it it makes more more sense. So your video ad conversion is, I don't know, it has to be around like sixty five, seventy five percent at least uh, for those games. So, um, so yeah, and and through that and through volume of downloads, you're able to actually monetize. Mm -hmm. well, how have um, how have successful hyper casual games innovated on the idle model, or, or have many of them done so? Uh, how have they innovated on the idle model? Mm -hmm. It's sort of incorporated elements, or or taken the idle model and made it kind of a little bit more added depth and sophistication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I want to say like Idle Heroes is is probably the greatest example, but then again, I don't think that's an idle game. It kind of is, but it kind of isn't. It, it's a full-fledged RPG with an idle element. Hmm. That would be that would be most. Uh, so um, yeah, don't let the name fool you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I I actually don't know. Like I have holes in my game, and and idle games are one of them. I don't play idle games to be honest. Hmm. It's just like it's it's um yeah. I just don't like them. I. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Have to, you can't play all game. I mean, maybe you can, but I, I reckon. No, no, I can't. I don't think anybody can. So I, yeah. I do play games all day. I'm not all day. I mean, I do play games every day. Let's put it this way. But um, not idle games and not a lot of March battlers. Is it, um, this is slightly off piece, but is it difficult to enjoy gaming the way you used to because now you work in gaming? Or is that actually kind of the whole experience is enhanced because now you're just that much deeper into what goes into making the experience that you're uh -huh. enjoying? That's a fascinating question. It, it, it depends on the game. So uh, if, if the game is in your genre, then mm -hmm. you're not really enjoying it because you're thinking so much mm -hmm. uh, when you're playing it. Like, okay, they're doing this. I wonder why they're doing that. Okay, here comes this screenshot. And then you continue. Oh, okay, what is this screenshot? And that's that's how you play a mm -hmm. game that is in in your genre. But then, but then there are games that that you know I would play if I wanted to relax and had some time to do that. And that that would be you know unlikely on a on a different platform. I I used to I used to play a lot of um, Heroes of the Storm, my favorite <laughs> favorite, mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm a big fan of World of Warships. Always have been. I I don't know. There's something about those battleships. 
-hmm. So even that, I mean, that game is on mobile, but I don't like the mobile version. So if I'd uh -huh. want to relax, I would play on a different platform. That's what Interesting. I'm saying. Is, is mobile kind of, um, I think you may have said this elsewhere, um, that mobile's a not, it's not a platform built for gamers or for games. Um, uh, oh, you, mobile? Yes. Yeah. Do you think, yeah. uh, why do you think that is? Do you think it's too interruptive? There's just something about mobile that doesn't allow you to kind of dedicate yourself to the to the game experience. Yeah, I, I just I just think that no, it's it's just like it's a it's a small screen and mm -hmm. and like if you think about gamer, would you think about a person with a with a big you know razor phone, or would you think about a person with a headset and, and actually a laptop that mm -hmm. it, or or a desktop with with different colors you know gleaming through it and they're probably mm -hmm. playing league of legends or counter strike or whatnot right. more skill based games that that's what i mean it's just it's a i understand the accessibility of mobile because everybody has a mobile phone mm -hmm. but if you are a gamer you are probably you probably own um a laptop or, or a desktop or at least a console mm -hmm. so well this is yeah. that's actually one of those really interesting questions that that's or, or um, assumptions that's getting interrogated today because um, that is the, the picture you've just described is, is the typical picture of, of that most people have in their minds when they think of gamers. Mm -hmm. But what's, what's emerging as, as a sort of another element of this reality is that my grandmother is a gamer mm -hmm. and my mother oh, is a gamer um, and it. I might be a gamer. And, um, and, that's, and I guess that's also kind of, what mobile's done um, and, yeah. and kind of casual games. It's, it's, it's added a new kind of audience to, to this, to this yeah, space. Okay. So I, I understand. I understand. So um, yeah, the, the way I describe gamer is, is, you know, a, a person who is very into, into games and they're usually into a specific game. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to, you know, your grandmother or your mother, I don't know if they're hitting the forums on, on you know, Candy Crush Saga Unlikely. or what, what not <laughs> and, and talking about Day Z. They're, they're, just, they're just playing it because they're enjoying it. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a nice entertainment and, and it has the entertainment value. And gamers are, they're, when I see gamers play, I don't think they play for entertainment. They play mm. for competition. They, 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 the competition seems to be the key driver for them playing and, and the skill of, 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 of the game is really important. And all of those elements that, that are actually, you know, they are part of mobile, but you know, we're not as competitive. We're not that skill-based. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, the, the, the problem that I see with, with, with gamers and, and mobile phones is like a lot of the game makers are actually gamers. Hence we are working in this profession. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is when, when we're asked like, hey, what kind of game would you like to make? And, and naturally, the first answer from a gamer is the type of game that they would play. Oh, cool. And, you know, you'd be like, well, I love League of Legends. I've been playing that game for five years. Guess what? I want to make League of Legends for mobile phones. You're like, mm -hmm. really? <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it works in China, so that's a surprise, but mm -hmm. it doesn't work outside China. So that's, you know. I might be wrong. This is my own opinion. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying it's, it's just funny. It's like every time I see this every time when you're, when you're able to make a game now, it's like, let's make Overwatch. Okay. How about not? Mm -hmm. uh, like, 
Uh, yes, I can. I can definitely see that. Uh, I'll. I. I want to jump back very briefly to to mm-hmm. hyper casual. Um, yeah. just because I want to touch on the UA side. Um, on the one hand, the barrier for entry for UA on on hyper casual games is low because users start monetizing immediately through mm-hmm. ads, and and then mm-hmm. you know you don't have to wait for kind of IP model to prove itself. On the other hand, the space is getting kind of increasingly competitive. Do you think aggressive UA for these titles is going to continue, or are we going to see a shift of focus to building in longer term retention? I see that that um, I mean, all of them are pushing the the sort of like a day three ROI up. Mm-hmm. It's it's key for them. And um, and once once that has been maximized, you have to do something else, right? Uh, because mm-hmm. if the CPIs keep on growing and you need you need new users to to uh, to keep alive, you're probably investing into something else, and you're looking at day seven ROIs, and right. and that suddenly adds a little bit of features to it. So that's a question. But then again, if you're going to that model, uh, sort of away from from that hyper casual approach, then you're suddenly using much more analytics and you're using more work on feature work. I don't mm-hmm. know what the live team for those hyper casual games are. If I almost feel like sometimes it's just like release and forget and or release <laughs> monetize and then forget. And then forget. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you think we're going to see a lot of consolidation in the hyper casual mm-hmm. space? Mm. Not yet. Not yet, not yet. It, it you know, because you know, catch up sold by Ubisoft, and and um, you know, it, it depends on what happens with Voodoo, but there's not that many of them. Mm-hmm. And um, if the competition keeps on going like this, I I just believe that they can produce enough hyper casual games on their own, so they don't need to go out and mm-hmm. buy them. And re- depending on the retentions of the players, it's not like you're buying somebody for their player base because if the retention long-term retention is low i mean you could essentially buy them and cross promote them to your own games but mm-hmm. i don't know I, I i just don't see that being... not for the moment no um okay final more more general question because i mm-hmm. it's it's very difficult to let a 2018 trends piece go by without touching on ar um so what do you kind of very generally across casual mid hardcore you know obviously AR was a super hot mm-hmm. topic leading up to 2018 do mm-hmm. you think we're going to see sophisticated examples of AR games in the coming year or is it going to be kind of Pokemon Go derivative um maybe yeah. a little bit gimmicky uh how how quickly I, is AR going to start maturing I think I think we're going to see both I I it's 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 probably really clear that the other uh, platforms are investing into it both Apple and Google want mm-hmm. AR games so uh, not not only games but AI applications. So so we'll see we'll see a lot of work happening there. And I've seen the IKEA work IKEA app uh, AR mm. app and so forth. So so they are getting sophisticated and they're getting very interesting. Uh, and there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of innovation going on there. Uh, I don't think we're gonna see another Pokemon Go. I mean that was once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I wouldn't I wouldn't hold my breath for Harry another Potter big. Go. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, in 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 overall, like I know that there's there's the uh, the Walking Dead AR game has been announced and mm-hmm. so forth. So so the, there there there's stuff stuff coming out. Um, I'm kind of skeptical. Like I I don't I don't understand how Pokemon Go was. I mean I do understand how it was so successful, but it was an anomaly. So mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll see we'll see. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest believer in in AR games. Um, I'm not, I sound super conservative, but I, I'm just not. 
uh, I, I do believe in AR apps. I mean, they make a lot of sense, but, mm -hmm. but in, in terms of games, like if you're adding any technology, does it, does it make it better? You know, that's, that's the question. Mm -hmm. So uh, can AR make it better? Maybe. But yeah, just like slinging the balls at something that is kind of in front of you, but it's isn't. It's just like really. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, well, thank you very, very much for for sharing your experience, your your perspective, Mishka. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of Level Up. We will see you next episode. Indie or triple A? Triple A. IAPs or ads? IAPs. Casual or strategy? Strategy. PC or mobile? Mobile. Free to play or pay to play? Free to play. iOS or Android? Both. Landscape or portrait? Uh, depends. <laughs> Unity <laughs> or native? Uh, ooh, native. Okay, 3D or 2D? 2D. Super Mario or Sonic? Sonic. AR or VR? AR. Shower or bath? Shower. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you very, very much. Thank that was you. wonderful. Bye.